Are adventure and relaxation on your mind? Jump in the car and head to Fauquier County, Virginia this weekend. Just a short drive from D.C. off I-66 and nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has it all, including picturesque hiking trails, Rappahannock River access, plus over 25 wineries, breweries, and cideries. Visit the many unique shops and farm-to-table restaurants of Fauquier County's towns and villages, or take in the many historical attractions suitable for all ages. Check out visitfauquiercounty.com. That's visit, F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R.com. Fauquier County. Find what you love. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 61. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Glad you guys are back with us here for this Wednesday show. A pretty busy show, Dave. A lot of roster moves, some familiar faces coming back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, and a new one as well, too. And kind of the, you know, some injuries to talk about. And, you know, obviously got a, uh, uh, starting quarterback in, 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 in concussion protocol and bowl season getting started. Mm-hmm. Uh, what tomorrow, right? Uh, today's what's today. No, uh, I guess it'd be Friday is the, uh, going to be the first set of couple of bowl games there on top of it. And, uh, not too far off now is a senior bowl and the shrine shrine bowl. So, uh, let's get to it. Lot, lot yeah. to talk about. Absolutely. Just really quickly, since you mentioned college football, I, I know that you were a really big Mike Leach fan and oh, the news yeah. of his passing yesterday. Um, super sad, super sudden, obviously. And uh, I think as many people have said, one of one was Mike Leach. You know, and let me I, I know it's probably not going to be popular at the, pot, at the top of the podcast here, but uh, why it's kind of such a big deal for me and I, I guess other people too. Mike Leach, Mike Leach was, was that guy is one of a kind, right? I <laughs> mean, uh, you want to talk about interviews that that are kind of must see every time, you know, that that easily get circulated on Twitter and and go viral. Uh, it's him, and I, you know, I I'm I'm I'd like to think that, you know, or at least my wife says I'm I'm a very peculiar type person, and you know, we all. Uh, to 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 our core have individuality and that kind of stuff and uh mike leach uh, uh marched to the beat of a different drummer and i can i can really relate uh to that uh he was he was way off the path and 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 unconventional and and that kind of thing so hey that's that's one way uh that i was attracted to him over the years uh second Man, the air raid offense, you, you've heard me talk about it several times, you know, over the years and uh, just fascinating what him and how uh, uh, mummy uh, created many years ago and uh, kind of got revitalized me personally with that last season with uh, Nevada and obviously what they were doing over there, you know, uh, uh, the mummy kid obviously was on that staff over there and uh, uh you know, Nevada obviously had Carson Strong and, you know, just a lot of synergy around that that really had me. And obviously I live in, you know, Las Vegas, just another reason. And because those games mostly at night was yet another reason to kind of pay attention. So it kind of reinvigorated, 
you know, that and going back and watching uh, some old coaching clinics with uh, Mike Leach talking about air raid offense and all like that. So uh, I was kind of attached to Leach for several reasons, you know, uh, all together. And man, it, it just goes to show you, man, you, you just never know, right? You never know when it's your time. And, you know, look at uh, Grant. Uh, what's his last name? Was Wall. It? Uh, wall. I mean, forty uh, something years old, and you know, overseas co- covering covering the uh, the World Cup and all, and and I evidently that ended up being a brain or some sort of aneurysm or something, you know, uh, like that. So, and and Mike Leach, obviously, I think it was a heart attack and all. You just never know, and uh, it makes you kind of reflect. And I'm so grateful that you know you and I get to do what we do, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for, for a living there. And I wouldn't choose anything else, uh, to do, uh, in my life other than this. And just once again, so grateful. So it makes you kind of reflect and, 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 uh, you know, be thankful for what you have and just let you know that, man, at any given time, uh, <laughs> you, you could be gone, you know? So yeah, uh, uh, sad, sad, you know, uh, news about, uh, Mike Leach passing. Definitely. But through the tragedy, great to hear some of the stories share that I had never heard before about Mike Leach and uh, people, you know, so many people had met him and just the, the, the wild stories that kind of showed the, the person that he was. And so you, you smile through through the sadness there. But anyway, at the risk you of know, the, real, real quick, three, mm-hmm. uh, what, three of the uh, top five Heisman uh, candidates this year were all coached by kind of Leach disciples, if you will. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that's something that I've learned within the last, you know, uh, obviously 24 hours there and all. So, yeah, I hate that we dominate top of the show, but I mean, we, it, it's good for us to talk, to talk about things that are near and dear to our heart, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously this is football related and news related. So with that, we can now move on from the Mike Leach story. Sure. We'll get into some Steelers talk here. Pittsburgh, very busy yesterday with some unofficial moves as of 1030 Wednesday morning, but probably by the time you're listening to this, these moves will be made official. The team signing two players yesterday, reportedly that's Jonathan Marshall, defense alignment, off the Jets practice squad that will replace Chris Wormley, who, according to NFL Network, unfortunately tore his ACL, so obviously out for the season. And then just a short time after that news came across, Adam Schefter reporting Steelers were signing, uh, re- 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 reuniting, I should say, with outside linebacker Ola Adani. Um, So he's apparently being signed. I, I don't know for sure if that's to the 53. I assume that it is, but that move also has not been made official. So a couple of front seven guys coming to this team ahead of the Carolina Panthers game. Yeah, absolutely. And look, they did not claim Ola off of waivers, so he cleared waivers. So that's a good point. But yeah, I mean, you would think that it might be the 53-man roster, but it very well could be practice squad. They could uh, maybe make a move there. Malik Reed's been dealing with, you know, kind of, a back injury, right? I mean, would right. it would it be out of the question for for Malik Reed to have to go to IR? You know, as, as a reciprocal move, probably not. You wouldn't think that this team would carry five outside linebackers at this point, would you? No, you wouldn't. So again, we'll see if it's practice squad. Maybe he gets signed to the practice squad and then elevated later on Saturday. In terms of that kind of thing, we're not quite sure. But if he is being signed to the fifty three. My guess would be something is going on with Malik Reed, sort of that surprise and active when had that back issue earlier in the week, but we're just all kind of waiting and seeing. And so what can, what can he provide to this team right now? You know, number three rotational outside linebacker to, to some degree, it's not going to move the needle too much overall, 
But whenever he got weighed by the Titans on, I guess that would have been Monday, you kind of felt like, hey, maybe there's a chance he comes back to Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, and like you said, it's not going to move the needle much there. And, you know, uh, more more than anything, a depth thing and, you know, probably six, seven, eight snaps a game, something along those lines, if if even that, uh, all depending on how, you know, the probably the health of T.J. Watt moving forward here. Uh, Jonathan Marshall, an interesting uh, prospect. Uh Boy, people get, get, get bent out of shape sometimes when, uh, not sometimes, a lot of times when Steelers make low-level moves like this and get guys off practice squads late in the season. Uh, but uh, immediately when you go back and and uh, look at not you know at Jonathan Marshall's uh, measurables. You know, looking at him, I said, man, this this guy had to check a lot of the boxes on the Alex Kazora. What do they look for uh, scale? And now he didn't do uh, I, I think it was because of the whole covid thing, maybe and all like that. But he did not do uh, shuttle and, and three cone time. So there's none of that to kind of report. But everything else, this guy, I mean, this guy is a, a this is a classic Steelers measurable uh, signing, right? Yeah, I mean, according to he checks the boxes because, you know, according to Kentley Platt, who we talked about come draft time and his math bomb and an RAS score, which basically just measures how athletic you are relative to your size and to your position. I mean, he's one of the top testers of all time. He had a 9.99 RAS score when he came out of the draft in 2021. And so that's an elite level number, according to Kentley Platt. That's the the second best score of any defensive tackle since 1987. And so he better check those boxes because, um, I mean, he just has some some crazy testing overall. Now, in terms of his play, I admit I haven't seen much. It seems like maybe a bit better pass rusher than, than run stuffer. Um, Six-round pick of the Jets out of Arkansas. Played four games for them last year, a couple of tackles. Had not appeared in a game with them this year, been on the practice squad. And so there isn't a whole lot of body work in the NFL to talk about outside of some preseason tape. Uh, but obviously, with Wormley's injury, this team looking for some extra D-line help, uh, that's the move they've made. Uh, I looked just briefly at some some highlights and stuff for him, and uh, uh, he, he's he's a one-gap penetrator uh, type. Got, he's got some quickness, and he should with those measurables, right? So right. Uh, uh, I haven't gone you know dug too deep into him uh outside of just looking at some highlights and all we all know that you shouldn't scout highlight wise but maybe at some point within the next few days one of our guys will uh do uh, kind of a deeper dive on him do a film room on him what the Steelers are are potentially getting in with him and uh why not take a chance on a kid like this right Right. And it looks like the uh, move's actually just been made official by the team here. Marshall uh, signed in the 53-man roster and Chris Wormley officially placed on injured reserve again. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport tweeting yesterday the news that we feared, torn ACL in that left knee for Wormley. And so obviously he's out for the year and very unlikely to be ready for 2023, a free agent to be. And so that's unfortunate for him and his uh, market and you know, I'm not sure what his future exactly is, whether that's Pittsburgh or somewhere else, but the injury is going to unfortunately dominate that, that conversation right now. Right. And uh, real quick about Jonathan Marshall. I don't know if it's a one or two year deal, but it really doesn't matter uh, for the because a uh, when you sign a guy off another team's practice squad, he's got to stay with you for at least three games. So this guy's probably going to last out the season. Uh, on 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 the fifty three man roster, you would think, and assuming he does, 
Uh, if it's a one-year deal with him, he would be an exclusive rights free agent uh, and then thus can easily be added back to the offseason, you know, easily re-signed with an exclusive rights tender. Or if it's a two-year deal, obviously it's going to be minimum uh, salary on top of it there. So this is a guy, Jonathan Marshall, that will will probably be on the offseason roster one way or the other. Yeah, you would expect that. And so maybe he'll get a, a, a trial run here these last uh, four weeks, last month of the season, and we'll get some tape on him, uh, I would assume, and and go from there. But obviously the Seagulls defense line has not played well enough. Uh, that was shown in the really the last six quarters, starting with the second half of the Falcons game, the entire Ravens game. Uh, you know, Aluwalu's played poorly. Adams has not played particularly well. You lose warmly. Loudermilk to me has not played well in his limited action. And so you're just trying to find some outside help of some guys that, that may be able to help. But as you pointed out last night, what does it say about a guy like Carlos Davis, you know, in terms of what they think of him, not promoting him instead going outside the organization uh, to, to bring in extra help. Yeah. Nitin uh, Wren still on the practice squad or back on the practice right. squad as well too. So, uh, and, and I kind of pointed this out in, 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 in my terrible take yesterday, kind of talking about the future of Chris Wormley. Uh, we both agree that it, it's a strong likelihood now at this point that Wormley sometime during the summer is going to be back uh, re-signed for depth, more than likely. Assuming everything goes good with rehab, we would kind of expect a move like that to happen, right? That would make the most amount of sense. Again, you're probably talking June, I guess, at the earliest. That kind of thing would happen when you kind of see how the rehab's going and things like that, maybe before, you know, mini camp in May. But I haven't thought about it too much just because the injury is going to, you know, obviously impact things so, so significantly. And look, I mean, he's a, he's an okay player. I mean, obviously a depth guy. Uh, it, it won't shake the it won't shake the, the the meter too terribly much, but I mean you're look look at the state of this def, this this defensive line right now, right? I mean, what it who is Mar, uh, Montrevious Adams? You know, at this point, you know, and and, and can you guarantee that uh, he's going to be on the fifty three next year for starters? No, no, you can't. Um, again, I, I mentioned this a while back, just based on some of the free agent type stuff and, and retirements and things like that, this D-line room probably is going to look a whole lot different. And then based off their recent play, you can basically rubber stamp that in terms of Joby, a free agent, Wormley, a free agent, now injured. Uh, Alu is going to retire. Ken Hayward, another year older, and everything else that comes along with that. So you And Loudermilk, note, not a guarantee. You know? Right, right. So, I mean, in terms of how this D-line looks next year, it's really hard to say. I think there'll be a lot of turnover. Again, trench play will be the focus of this team this offseason. And that's why you go out uh, you know, and, 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 and get a kid like this and, and Jonathan Marshall, right? Uh, to, to just see what maybe, you, maybe, maybe he can provide some debt for you. Right. Now we'll see if he's active against the Panthers, if he has enough time. Um, you know, they went heavy on the D-line for the Ravens game because, A, it was the Ravens game, and B, Malik Reed was down. And so that – Created an extra spot there. The Panthers are a pretty run-heavy team, so you would expect maybe maybe all the defense alignment to be active, if, or, or you know everybody but Marshall. We'll just have to wait and see. But I assume we'll see him playing on Sundays uh, sometime before this year is over. All right. Once again, maybe we'll get a film room up on him here in the next few days. 
Yeah, I mean, again, the film's pretty limited, so I just kind of go in with a clean slate. But uh, we'll have to see, and we'll see what the injuries, um, you know, injury report kind of says, and Malik Reed's status with Ola and, and how that goes. So I, I'm really interested to see just where, what happens to, to Ola in terms of is he 53, is he practice squad, and what is right. the corresponding move. We knew when Marshall got signed, okay, Wortley, you know, Tomlin right. already announced he's going to have surgery. So you knew that move. This one is a little more uncertain. Okay. All right, um, let's go to Mike Tomlin, his Tuesday press conference. And again, mentioning some of those injuries. That is Kenny Pickett still in concussion protocol. Uh, mentioned Chris Wormley with a knee surgery, Pat Frymuth with a foot. Uh, Frymuth should be okay, pretty minor overall. Big story here is Pickett. Tomlin, you know, just as you would expect, saying working through protocol, we'll have to wait and see. More interesting, though, Tomlin, of course, was asked if Pickett cannot play who is next in line? Is it Mitch Trubisky, the way that he was and, and has been all year since being benched, or Mason Rudolph? And Tomlin did not commit, saying both guys will get reps in practice, which is typical when, you know, one and two if, if Pickett is out. Um, and he's taking it day by day. So he's leaving the door open, which is certainly notable. Yeah, but he also left the door open during training camp, supposedly as well, too, with a pecking order. And we all knew how that was going to play out, right? Sure, sure. But but now that it's in is, season, is, things is, are is settled. This, is this just courtesy or is there is there a legitimate chance that, that if, if Kenny Pickett does not play in this game, that Mason Rudolph can could 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 start? I mean, I, I think the door's at least open. Tomlin could have very easily shut down that conversation. He's been generally pretty adamant about pecking order in terms of quarterbacks. This is our starter. This is the backup. Here's how this is going to be ever since the season began. And now that door's been open Tomlin's kind of leaving it a lot more vague a lot more up in the air and so I'm not going to dismiss that possibility I'll still proceed with the assumption right now Trubisky will start if Pickett is not ready to go but I can't guarantee that at this point based off of Tomlin's comments what is it what does it what does it mean <laughs> I knew you were do that. <laughs> I'll win horse on me what does it mean oh, I've got my fingers pointing up uh uh what does it mean if if Mason starts over Mitch. It means that Trubisky, they don't trust him to take care of the football. That is the number one goal. That's what Pickett was doing as his team got hot relative to their success after the bye. No turnovers in four straight games. Trubisky throws three in, in, in relief of Kenny Pickett. They lose that game in large part to those turnovers. And the whole structure of this offense, the way this team is built right now is little to no margin for error, cannot give the football away. Again, the stats in terms of when they turn the ball over versus when they don't, very clear line in the sand there and so that's what it would mean they trust Rudolph to play a bit more within structure probably a bit more conservatively overall and to take care of the football what does it mean past 2022 if anything probably nothing because Rudolph is not going to be back and Trubisky you know Pittsburgh has control over what they want to do with him but it's hard to see him in Pittsburgh in 2023 wouldn't it seem even less likely to see Trubisky in 2023, if you if he doesn't start over Rudolph, yeah, that's fair. Okay, so it probably does mean something because if Trubisky is basically becoming third string by the end of the year, then then I don't see any way he comes back in in 2023. Right. I mean, unless you go to him and say, "Look, here's uh, you're gonna have to reduce that salary." Uh, I mean, either way, I mean, this team could afford to carry uh, uh, Mitch at his number, but. I mean, it, would you? Would I? No. I mean, hey, I don't think Trubisky will want to be here. And it's the whole volunteer, not hostages thing. Like Tomlin. Mariota, right? 
like Marietta, who apparently just left Atlanta. He's he's gone. I don't even know where he's at right now. Um, again, for to go from starter captain to bench and then potentially even third string if Rudolph jumps him for this week. You just, you know, didn't work out. You wipe your hands. It does save some money and, and that money can go elsewhere. You will have to sign some a veteran backup quarterback, though. You can't have it'll be Kenny Pickett by himself at the start of March, probably. Um, and so they're gonna have to add some vet behind Kenny Pickett. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, uh but uh, and and about picking, I mean, we we just don't know. We just kind of have to wait and see. And you know, obviously, are you worried at all about you know? And, and uh, first, we talked the other day how you know that Mike Tomlin should kind of address the the what what transpired. You know, uh, as far as the protocol situation that allowed Kenny to go back in the game and a back out. Are you satisfied with what you know now, or no? After, I mean, after what Tom had to say, which what, which what wasn't much. much. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it just, I just recognize in this heightened awareness of 2022 and what happened with Tua quarterback concussions, concussions in general, really receiving a lot of attention. What happened with Pickett was a bit unusual and not accusing Pittsburgh of doing anything wrong, but there were some, some questions to be, to be asked and answered. And yeah, I guess I'm satisfied. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like there's much more to say if there is more to say and, questions to be asked and i assume the nfl would do that but but yeah i'm essentially i'm moving on from that point uh i and then obviously you know what happened with Pickett now got trumped the other night by what happened with uh, the patriots right yeah with Devonte parker which was a very scary moment and credit to nelson aguilar for alerting uh i don't know how everyone else misses that but credit to aguilar for stepping up uh, should there be some sort of, and, and look, I don't know the medical, I'm not even going to pretend to know the medical behind and the studies and, and all. I mean, I've obviously seen a lot of, read a lot of reports and seen a lot of, uh, you know, kind of videos on concussions, all like that, but should there be sort of, I, I guess what I'm asking here is because Kenny, they, they continually evidently or supposedly continue monitoring players that, that, you know, are cleared and go back in games. <laughs> Or, or so, so they say. Uh, should there be something like the time that a player enters the initial testing, even if, or for in game with a concussion, for like, okay, the clock starts. Uh, this this guy for one actual, not game time, but one actual hour or forty five minutes on the clock cannot go back into the game, so we can monitor him in this period of time should there be uh, i guess what i'm asking is should there be a mandatory kind of monitoring time of 30 minutes or whatnot and i don't know what the studies say and all like that you right. know it might be different for every human being for all i know but uh would, would, would such a thing help i feel like Hey, we need to get some billable hours for the nfl we're rewriting the cba these last Man, couple of podcasts we really are um it's a good point. I, I don't I don't have the expertise either to talk about that. I would love to know how often these things happen where players initially cleared and then symptoms appear later. It feels like that's not a typically common occurrence in the NFL, but I don't know the data behind that and data is going to have to drive some of those decisions. So understand the point. I just don't have the knowledge to really answer that. Okay. I mean, it just it's it. This is going to be a concussions or in, in the NFL are always going to be a topic, though, right? Sure, as they should be. And and the NFL, frankly, ignored them for far too long. And they are literally paid the price for some of that. And now they're they're doubling back to try to, 
to to do a better job of that. And they have made progress, but as you said, as Monday night show, there's still progress to be done. Is 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 Pickett an injury or concussion prone, blah, blah, blah concern at this point, or is this just one of those things? Because look, I, I was thinking about this and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna answer before I, before I even let you answer mm-hmm. no, go ahead. For, for the fact that I why I was kind of thinking about this. Man, you go back to two thousand and four with Ben Roethlisberger and you remember some of those damn hits that he took. I mean, even kind of that coming out moment against the Browns uh in in in, in Ben's rookie season. If there was an independent kind of space, and long story short, you know, there's been times when probably Roethlisberger, even during his rookie season, probably could have been removed from a game, and, oh, and sure. you know, and, and all like that. Uh, it just it wasn't, you know, obviously the you know the rules and the focus and all uh, uh, back then than there was now. I bet Ben would even probably tell you, man, there were a couple of times during my rookie season that you know uh, I would have been ruled out of a game with a concussion. Is this any kind of a concern with him right now? I mean, it's always alarming the way I, we talked about it with Pat Fry. It was with his, you know, multiple concussions he suffered uh, through the first two years. So there's always heightened attention to that. But concussions are so different for different people based on severity and symptoms. And it's all case by case. So, you know, it's it's a worry. It's a, it's a thought. Um, but ultimately, what do you do with that information? You can't treat him any differently once he's cleared. He's your quarterback. You're going to play him. And so there really isn't much of a different handling, I guess, of it uh, whenever Pickett is cleared. Uh, Mike Tomlin was asked, is there any concern with Kenny that this is his second time in a concussion protocol? He says, not for me because I'm not a medical ec- expert. I gain my position, my confidence, uh, my levels of concern, any of the things that you would ask along those lines from the medical experts. I'm really comfortable in that. And, Several times uh, on on Tuesday, once again, he said, "Look, we're, you know, we're going to do what the medical experts tell us to do with Kenny Pickett, uh, and that's what they did last time." And lo and behold, he was practicing on that Wednesday, right? Uh, we'll right. see. We'll see if that's the case uh, today on this Wednesday. And he was practicing in full that went not even limited on the side. I mean, he was full go, and so we'll see if it's a repeat of that or if there's a different uh, flavor to the. The, the protocol and, and Pickett working its way back. Where are you at when it comes to Trubisky Rudolph? If Pickett is not cleared, if he cannot play, do you believe 100% Trubisky's the guy, or do you think there's a path for Rudolph to to jump him? I mean, I think there's a path. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my house on it. Okay, you know, because I you know, Tom, I, although this could just be Tomlin trying to be the nice guy here and and not just say, look, you guys know Trubisky's our number two quarterback. You know. Uh, I think uh, to some degree, even though Mike Tomlin says, uh, I'd rather say woe than sick him, uh, there was probably a little bit of, of him in that game that probably wanted to say whoa, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, when it comes to uh, Trubisky uh, there. And I, I and I'm, I'm firmly convinced what we talked about the other day, I uh, Trubisky's in y- YOLO world right now. You only live once. And. Uh, he's going to take some of these chances, I think, to try to make some plays. And I think the byproduct of that is he's kind of, you know, unfortunate, bad decision interceptions on his part. Uh, I, I think Kennedy would have, Kenny would have been a lot more conservative, uh, in that game. Uh, do the Steelers win that game if Kenny plays the whole thing? That's another interesting topic of conversation. Yeah, you know, me and you with these hypotheticals. I mean, do I think Kenny throws three picks? Probably not, just based on his recent trend to play. But 
who the heck knows? Baltimore's right. a really good defense. Um, it, it, it sounds like Tomlin listened to Ben's podcast on Monday because he did invoke the woe then, then sickum comment that Ben talked about. Tomlin did during his Tuesday presser when asked about was Trubisky overly aggressive. And Tomlin, based on those comments, basically said, I don't mind him being aggressive. He's trying to make plays. And so that's the mentality we want to have. And so while I'm sure he didn't want Trubisky to throw three picks. It didn't seem like he was upset uh, publicly, at least at the idea of Trubisky trying to push the ball. My money would be on Trubisky starting, plain and simple, but I wouldn't. I would be conservative in the amount of money that I put on Trubisky starting. I'm with you 100%. Um, it was, I did laugh at, and as you said, I think Tomlin maybe was trying to be a bit kind to Rudolph this holiday season when saying it, it's not, it's not two and three guys, it's, it's two and two A. I mean, that's just a funny right. way to phrase that. <laughs> I bet your Rudolph does not feel like a two A right now. Two right. A is called number three when you don't dress on game days. But we'll have to see how things go this week. And, and Rudolph's saying all the right things. I mean, the the competitor of you know, like like I said the other day, Rudolph probably probably says y'all have at it. My stock's never been higher right now. But obviously, there's you know the gambler in every athlete is I can improve my stock. So you know. Uh, uh, in other words, I don't think Rudolph's over there saying, oh, no, no, y'all have at it. Don't put me in. Uh, he obviously would like to play, and he would probably be just as aggressive as uh, uh, as Trubisky. Plus, I mean, I don't know. I, I get the whole stock thing, but it's hard to have your stock higher after a year in which you did not play. If you get sure. a game, you get, if you get one game, you get one good start, win the game, and then go back to the bench, that's that's ideal. You get your tape, right. you know, so show when you're going to sling it, and then you build off of that when you become a free agent. So I sure. bet you're for a lot of reasons, Rudolph wants to play. Right. And, well, I mean, uh, once again, I, I think it's more of an indictment or it's obvious it'd be more of an indictment against Trubisky. If Rudolph's chosen over, over, over Trubisky. Oh, sure. Yeah. hundred percent. So we'll just have to see again. I still think Trubisky will be the guy, but Tomlin's answer certainly was not concrete. And so it opens the door to the conversation we're having right now. There's no, there's absolutely no way Rudolph's back with this team in any way, shape or form in 2023. Right. I can't see it. What is, I mean, I'm sure Pittsburgh would like to have him back, but what isn't the incentive for Rudolph right. to want to be back after? The, I mean, right. he has not been again. The NFL is an unfair business, but what's the incentive for him? He's not been treated fairly to you know become the potential starter to becoming third string and just kind of being kicked around. Right. I mean, he as soon as the gates open, he's running. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's joining James Washington in the sense of we are leaving immediately and we're going to go try to find an, another job. Right. Okay. Uh, what else from Tomlin here talked about? Trubisky, the woe, the Sikkim comments talked about field positioning. I thought, you know, Tomlin kind of opened up that press conference talking about Pittsburgh losing the field position battle. And he may have after uh, maybe before he listened to Ben's podcast, he may have listened to your comments, Dave, about some of the holding calls on James Pierre and some of the other things aside from the obvious 17 yard punt that really affected field position in this game in Baltimore's favor. Well, yeah, I mean, and and look, it. it let's congratulate them again on, on what a team loss that was. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I just wanted to point it out that, that it was more than just the, and w- what I said the other day, it was more than just a, the Presley Arvin 17 yard punt. I mean, there, it was the block field goal, which by the way, that was enough to get Calais Campbell special teams player, uh, of the week, I, I would not have seen that coming for one play. Did Calais do something else in that game that I don't know about? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, his stance was great. Every field goal block, he was looking 
pretty. No, I, I mean, don't. I guess the competition was light. Right. I mean, obviously, that was a huge, huge play in the game, and sure. effectively, yada yada, won the game. I guess in so many, so many words there. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it, it was. And and we've talked about. It. I mean, wh- where is all these guys that they have at the bottom end of the roster that are Danny Smith guys? You know, what are they doing? You know, I I do just wonder how do you? And I'm sure Danny Smith has an answer if you were to ask him. How do you stop? a six, eight Calais Campbell from blocking the field goal. Like what is the approach there? I mean, if, if it was that easy, Dan, Dan McCullers would be in the NFL right now, blocking field goals every week. Right. I guess, but there's an art to it. I'm sure. I'm sure, sure. Campbell has a timing of when you shoot your hand and film study and what gap to be in. I just wonder, I mean, cause they, I mean, it's they, not like they, Campbell's they, not really rushing. Right. But even they admitted that they would, this was kind of made on the fly with him and his special teams coach. True. True. But I mean, what, he lines up in the A gap. He puts his hand up. What do you do? I mean, I, he's over the long snapper. I mean, I don't know. I, Pop, I, I don't know. Punch him in a jejunum or something. Yeah. <laughs> Go with a little blow. I'm just curious. I'm sure there's an answer. I'm sure there's a strategy. And I guess it's trying to get hands on the guy and, and bump him and, and, and maybe get him off his path a little bit. But you know, dude, six, eight, it's like, it's like Shaq being out there. Put his right. Hand up. What, right. What I mean, doing? okay. So what, what happens if you expand rosters by, three players do you do you bring in a uh, specialist <laughs> field goal blocker that's uh seven one you know yeah just go to the g league and just go sign every center <laughs> down there and have them you know stand i mean again I, I just i'm just curious to know i mean i'm sure there's an answer and there's things you can do and Pittsburgh probably didn't do a good job there but and campbell's blocked i guess nine of them in his career for a reason because right, he's so right. good at it all right uh and and look uh it was right for for mike Tomba to address that but uh, I mean, and what do you think about his thoughts on the run defense? I mean, they're pretty similar. I mean, lately Tomlin's thoughts post game right after the game ends versus what he says Tuesday are basically the same mm-hmm. thing. I think he's literally said the phrase of, yeah, I just, you know, same thoughts as what I had post game, same thing. I mean, in terms of them wearing down, um, I mean, I, I think that's certainly part of it. I, I felt, or I felt in the first quarter of that game, the run defense was not terrible. A couple plays early, you know, backside pursuit, things like that. Pittsburgh's run defense held up, but I thought certainly as the game wore on, I'm with Tomlin. They totally wore down. I thought Oak and Joby in particular wore down pretty quickly in that game. And so, um, yeah, I'm with Tomlin there. Uh, it's football, the balls, and this is kind of uh, – uh, Tomlin was asked if he was alarmed that they were able to get what they needed in, in essentially that final drive. Uh, well, uh, to back up, he was asked in the final series about stacking the box. Could they have done more there? I mean, uh, you I, and I, I clipped all three pictures of right at the uh, right at the time the football snapped. I mean, it's not overly egregious in my opinion as far as the alignment and based on what they were what they were facing. I suppose you can make the argument that you got no business having a middle of the, you know you know uh, uh, a safety you know, basically playing, you know, uh, man high, right? In, yeah. In that situation. I mean, could you play zero in that situation and, and, and run blitz it, you know? Sure. You could. And hindsight's always twenty twenty. So I, it, but if wh- you blitz a guy like, uh, cause I think it wasn't it, uh, Casey cut uh, the middle of the field it, it, on those, but, uh, even, you know, what, what gap you blitz them on? Does it even matter? You know, right, right. And maybe there was the concern because they fake the jet run. If they if you have everybody else so tight and they run the jet receiver run, he gets the edge and, and that's ball game there. So 
you can go back. I mean, the video break that I did this morning um, on Seals Depot, you guys can check out. It's a pretty long video, but it, it kind of talks about some missed assignments. It was some some schematic problems and also just uh, to use the Tomlin phrase is the, is the phrase I used in my video, just butt kicking. I thought Pittsburgh got right. butt kicked against the world. Long story short, do you find anything egregious in, in, in what they did defensively scheme-wise on those final three plays? Schematically... Not really. I just recognized throughout the entire game consistently the Ravens were running that gap scheme. They were gaining a gap. They were getting numbers. They did a good job to run against Pittsburgh's front. I just thought, you know, a bit schematically Baltimore had the advantage, but then just physically. I mean, when you're getting beat up the way you're getting beat up, the scheme doesn't matter as much because you can't get off a block. It doesn't really matter what you call. Right. I mean, could 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 the linebackers have been downhill more at the, at the snap of the football? Possibly. You know, uh, if, 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 if they were going to beat you through the air, they were going to beat you through the air with with an easy completion. But you, at least you made the kid throw the football, you know, and that's it. Everybody knew they were not throwing the football on that third down. Sure. And that is just frustrating because, I mean, it wasn't even a difficult conversion for them. Right. Gus Edwards wasn't even touched by the time you the sticks. They have their third string rookie quarterback in his first game. You know, the run's coming. But again, they ran that gap scheme at the end of that game. They got numbers and Pittsburgh couldn't get off of blocks. I mean, you just have got that's a situation where you your guys have just have got to win up yeah. front. Right, right. And, and that to that point, you could argue, well, then just really pack the box, bring Minka down, bring Casey down more, dare them to throw. If they throw and they complete it, then you say, good job, Baltimore. But you could argue that maybe Pittsburgh could have been a bit tighter there. OK, I mean, but but what what do you have? Minka up three more steps. And like once again, Casey, where, where do you put where do you put the middle of the field safety in that in that? I think you don't. I mean, you don't have a middle of the field safety. You move them right in the box. I guess I don't know. I mean, you, know, you, you bring an do extra it. off. Do you play goal line in the city? You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it, you know, uh, in that situation, probably. But even it uh, does, doesn't matter. You know, be, because of sure. the way the formation was. You know. Sure. Yeah. Again, all things to go back on. But the video I have, you know, talked about some of the other schematic problems. I, I thought Baltimore did, did a good job of displacing some of the Steelers edge rushers and putting them, you know, kind of taking them out of their run fit. And again, just schematically and, and certainly individually, Baltimore won the day. Okay. Uh, let's see what else did Mike Tomlin have to say? Uh, that was about it. Said he had no problem with the uh, hit that Roquan Smith had on Kenny Pickett, um, which I wouldn't expect him to say anything else because a, he'll get fined if he does. And, you know, B, I don't think it's that egregious of a moment by Roquan Smith. Right, right. There's I mean, a face mask, but you're not going to have a problem. I mean, it's it'd be for the, the slamming is, is where you might have a problem with it. But to me, you know, I'm not too mad about that one. We'll get our answer on Saturday for that. Yeah, I mean, it would have he's not going to get fined for a face mask. So it's just really a matter of is it the, 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 the slamming? Will that get a, a fine there? Well, it's never been really about the slamming to me as much as it was the face mask. Can you get a fine for a face mask, though? I mean, is is there is there fines for face masks now? I mean, it, uh, maybe the it... egregious ones where you're yanking a guy down, but that wasn't the case here. I mean, I think it should have been called. I think it was a missed call by the the officials, but I don't think that would produce a fine. I think if he if he gets fined, it'll be for the way that he threw Kenny Pickett down. Okay, but we'll just see. I mean, we'll see Saturday, as you said. We'll give us the answer. Anything else from Mike Tomlin that you wanted to mention? No, I think we got we got most of it. Look, you got some clarity for people wondering why Pat Firemuth only played 30-something snaps. 
he 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 was not on the field for snaps three through seven. So maybe it happened somewhere in there. I mean, obviously he missed other uh, he missed other uh, snaps throughout the game as well too. But for him to be off the field that early, maybe that's when kind of when that foot injury happened with him. But Mike Thomas said in so many words that you know. Uh, it, it, in-game injury and but he was able to return and and thus we could probably expect uh uh Frymuth on the injury report today yeah i'm sure he'll be limited or not practice to be honest though didn't notice didn't even they didn't note note a foot injury in that game he played the same number of uh snap percentage uh offensive snaps uh, as he did against atlanta i think 56 percent. so to me i just, it just felt like their their rotation of, of tight ends okay all right, let's go all 22 of this game. Uh, rewatching this one ugly as it was. Let's start with the Steelers offense. What were your thoughts there on the all 22 of that one? Yeah, offensively, uh, you know, just kind of wondering why maybe they didn't try to run the football a little bit more uh, than they did. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, I guess, kind of obvious why in the second half because of the way the, the limited amount of possessions in the score uh, was I, I can understand that, but it, you know they did have some some success uh, in the game early. As far as that, I think they probably could have done uh, a little bit a better job of getting getting uh, uh, pickets, maybe a few more uh, uh, targets in that game. I mean, I, you know, you know me, I like I like the fact that they're able to push the football down the field. Uh, you go back and you look at the three interceptions in particular. Now that we've had time to look at it. Uh, yeah, it's not taking the blame off of Mitch Trubisky in the first one, but you know the the whole the whole uh, Stephen Sims and his route and and how it should have been shallower, yada yada. It, it still it still was a very very easy easy pick for Smith, right? You know, uh, uh, Firemuth. Uh, tough coming, you know, uh, was indeed jammed, held up a little bit coming out. The whole timing of that was just off, and it kind of and Trubisky was kind of locked in on him. It just kind of screams that that could have been avoided by going somewhere else, maybe with the football there. Uh, the second pick uh, was, and look, I mean, that's the same, basically the same play they ran against the Eagles late. Uh, in that game that, 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 that picket got picked off on, uh, they're just kind of the formation, uh, uh, flip to the other side. Uh, and on that one, I think Frymuth ran more of a nod, uh, kind of, kind of route. And then he, I think the uh, set of the routes on one side might've been a little bit different there, but, uh, Patrick Queen said after the game that when, when, when they go three by two and Frymuth's in the slot, he's running that over. And, uh, he was kind of, uh, the overhang on that other side anyway, and was able to read that did not bite at all. Uh, I think Johnson was the guy, uh, uh, on that other side on that two by side, uh, over there. Uh, he, that, that didn't get, get his attention at all. And he basically just read, uh, Trubisky, uh, took him right to the football and that. So that was obviously one that, uh, 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 Trubisky's got to look off or something uh, to to avoid that interception. It's just way too easy for 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 Queen on that one. Uh, and the last one uh, that that really felt predetermined kind of throw there. And 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 if any if if he's going to throw that and it be predetermined based on coverage and yada yada, 
he's got to look off Williams better in the, in the middle of the field and make it an opportunity where either he overthrows the football or his guy gets it. Uh, and he does not throw a can of corn to, uh, to left field, which is, which is essentially what that was there. So, uh, there, I mean, you can explain away maybe the, the, the first interception there, but, uh, that they're all on Trubisky the way I look at it there overall. Uh, and they, as we said the other day, or, or, you know, they moved the football, they moved the sure. football. Uh, it's just when you got, when they got that high red zone, just brutal. I mean, uh, two, two interceptions and, and a block field goal. I mean, like it or not, that that's the difference if you uh, in your game. Uh, overall, but as far as the X's and O's go, I think you did a great job. And we, we, we kind of questioned who was that sack on that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, early on. And there's several ways you can look about, look at it as far as the rules of, of the blocking scheme might go there. But your, your look at it was based on how this team has blocked the double uh, a gap muggers in previous games here. And there's no reason to believe that they were going to go away from those rules. And by the way, Kevin Dotson says, Oh, that's on me. Right. That's forget what I said for a moment. Just listen to Kevin Dotson. And it, you know, had he, I understand some people could argue, well, he's just taking the blame, just kind of falling on the sword. Had he said, yeah, that's on me. We just got to communicate better. We'll get it cleaned up and not really said much about it. You could, probably have a, have a better case for that. Dawson was very specific in what went wrong on that play. He said he didn't hear the middle digit in the play call that determines the, the blocking scheme. He slid the wrong way. He says he's got to listen harder. I mean, he was very detailed in terms of exactly what went wrong. But on top of that, listen, on Monday's show, when we talked about that, I kind of pulled back and said, I don't know if that's on Dawson. I need to check the tape and kind of go through it. There's a They ran the same exact play against the Bengals a couple weeks ago. And um, the way they've been blocking this thing is they allow the right DN free. They're going to try to throw hot off of him. It's not been working out well, but 100% that's on Dotson. So, I mean, you can argue about it all you want. But again, if you, if you hate what I say, fine. Just listen to the guy. And he, he told you the answer. And look, you had that out there before, really, the Dotson quote surface. So, uh, right. because, uh, uh, and, Anytime you do something like, especially with the offense, I mean, well, I, I have faced it from, from quarterbacks, you know, Charlie Batch, you know, uh, and yeah. look, I, 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 I love Charlie, but, uh, you know, within that, you know, I, I, and I told Charlie when I talked to him, you know, I, there's so <laughs> I, I still differ with what, what Charlie thinks on a couple of these. And I, I think that's okay because nobody sure. really, really knows. I mean, sure. yeah, Charlie, Charlie has a lot, <laughs> obviously NFL quarterback and all, but I think there is some, some, uh, areas of gray where you don't really know for sure whether you played in the league or not. And look, anytime nowadays, uh, with the, uh, there's an offensive line brigade brigade out there right now. And we think the world of Duke, right. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but those, there is a fraternity out there at each position group, specifically quarterback and, 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 and offensive line that, feel like it's their duty to police anything out on Twitter, you know, that goes with their position group. And Big Duke has worked, I think, with Kendrick Green, right? I mean, not Kendrick Green, uh, Dotson. Right. I believe and so. 
they're going to run to those guys' defenses. And, you know, I think even Trey Essex, I think Trey Essex kind of backed off a little bit. Didn't yeah, he? I think he now agrees that it was on Dodson. Right. And and look, we we you understand that there are certain there are there could be certain different rules in place on how things are handled. Right. In, and, in, that, in that moment, you, they could the way that they're describing it being blocked is totally fair. Yeah, that's a valid way to do it. But all I care about is what do the Steelers ask of their guys to do? How is the actual call being called? Not the theoretical how you could do it, how different teams do it. How do the Steelers do it under Pat Meyer? And I base that off of recent performance, recent. And, and 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 what we do now and have done for years on the site and with film breakdown like that, we don't we don't. It's not an attack on Kevin Dotson. <laughs> it's just we want to see what happened, who's to blame, why it happened, and use it all as a learning tool because there's nothing better than than learning the X's nose, in my opinion, of, of football. You you learn it every mm-hmm. you learn more and more every week. So it's not an attack on him or anything like that. It's just us trying to figure out you know, what happened. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, and, and that's just you know my belief based on how they block that up in, in recent weeks. There are definitely times where the O-line gets too much blame, and you think about, remember when Yannick Ngakwe came in free and sat Kenny Pickett against the Colts. Everyone's blaming Dan Moore for that. 100% not on Dan Moore. First to say it, that's not on not on Dan Moore. Uh, that's on the scheme. He's allowed to rush free. And in this case, you know, just like that play, that that edge rusher's allowed to rush free. They're blocking down. They're blocking inside out. Um, and that's the way they scheme it up. And again, identical play. Same mesh concept. Same uh, throw to the flat, to the boundary, to the back, trying to throw hot. Um, that's what I base it. Just in the way that whenever the, the defense blows a coverage and you're trying to figure out what went wrong, you, you know, as well as anybody else, when I, whenever somebody asks me that, I say, let's go find an example of a similar situation right. to try to compare it to, because it's hard to determine when things go wrong, just looking at plays in a vacuum, you have to find past history. That was my guiding light, so to speak, on that play. But regardless, with Dotson, it just to, to take it to him. I mean, again, it's one play, not trying to kill the guy, but it just the mental mistakes are so frustrating right. with Kevin Dotson. I had the video just two weeks ago, I think it was, saying that Dotson, to me, is the most frustrating player on this team. Not not that he's a bad player. He, I'm not frustrated. If he was bad, I wouldn't be frustrated because I would just say he's a bad player and he's being overwhelmed. He's a talented player that has really good moments, but you have so many down moments as well. That's where the frustration comes in. It's a bit of the Chase Claypool thing. Really physically gifted, really talented, a lot of above-the-neck type stuff, a lot of other things that, that frustrate you. And to me, if I'm starting to tweak this offensive line in 23, I am starting by replacing dots in that left guard. You know, sort of a Chris Kimoatu situation here, right? Where a lot yeah. of men, a lot of mental errors. Yeah. Maybe that's uh, penalties. Is he penalized like Kimo uh, was? He, he wasn't penalized. I don't think like Kimo, but, yeah, but I, he has sure. had his share though, right? Yeah. I was, I was kind of thinking about that. I, I, I think he's kind of up there with Dan quick. Moore. I think he was maybe second on the team. I think Dan Moore leads the team in penalties. The bleep dots in his second. I'm remembering my sack breakdown, at least entering this week. I didn't have enough on the, uh, the sack breakdown uh, for the Ravens game. But yeah, Kevin Dodson's uh, right behind. It, it, uh, it's Dan Moore, Kevin Dodson, James Daniels. But how many is Daniels? Uh, one behind Moore. It's 10 for Dan. Man, Dan Moore's got 10 penalties yeah. this year. Kevin Dodson has nine. 
and uh, Dotson's are false start, holding, ineligible downfield, unnecessary roughness, false start, holding, holding, and ineligible downfield, false start. You can kind of – can you excuse them for the ineligible downfield, or is that maybe just a mental error as well too? And you'd have to look at the play, but right. you can probably excuse that because it's likely on the ball not getting out quick enough or something else happening. Okay, but uh, still a lot. T- 10 for Dan, 9 for Dotson, and, or actually – uh, yeah, it says 10 count, uh, 10 count for Dan, one decline, nine for Dotson, one decline. Uh, then you drop all the way down to James Daniels, five, and then Deontay Johnson with five. James right. Pierre, by the way, is up on the list with four. Ooh, yeah, that well, you had one of them in the in the ball in the Ravens game there. Um, yeah, that's what I was saying. I knew there was a drop off from more Dotson in that first tier than the rest were kind of in a, in a different tier there, but anyway, with, with Dotson again. Talented guy. When he when he's when it comes together, he's got the size, he's got the the power, uh, the anchor. But it's just above the neck. It's a mess. And that play got his quarterback hit. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, the interceptions. I mean, that that third one I thought that Trubisky threw was the most egregious in the sense that he led Marcus Williams right to the ball. But as Trubisky pointed out, they ran the same exact play on that forty yarder to Deontay and he did, did the exact same thing. Didn't look off the safety at all and just threw it in the bucket. So the throw wasn't very good. Really, I guess what you're saying there is if you're if you're not gonna look off the safety, you better be pinpoint with the throw. Right. And on the pick, he was not pinpoint. Right. His accuracy, the deep ball, he's aggressive, but his accuracy on his deep balls is pretty rough. Right. It uh and look he is he's been aggressive. He has thrown it down the field. Right. He just but has completed. Not- Good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else here for the offense? That was, that was kind of my thoughts. I thought Pickens was, I mean, again, you could always give the guy more targets, but the dude had a couple of deep shots, a, a PI in the end zone. I mean, sure. for a Z receiver, I was okay with the, the, I was happy to see a guy like Steven Sims just get the ball more just to have him do something. Sure. On the field. And look, and, and, you know, on that back shoulder uh, to Pickens too, that, that kind of looked predetermined, but at some point you got to, you got to, you got to put 50, 50 balls to your players. Yeah, that was 100% predetermined. I mean, Pickens is blanketed when Trubisky throws it, but you trust your guy to make a play because you go back to the summer, and that's what they did the whole summer was Trubisky throwing contested balls to Pickens, and he made spectacular plays. And so there's a ton of trust there. And so I have no problem with that one. I mean, the biggest thing, uh, uh, the, the the talk about the offense overall, even though maybe they could have ran the football a little bit more in the first half, you know, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, the biggest thing, uh, the most glaring thing is the interceptions, obviously. Sure. And, and while we can talk about that, you understand Trubisky being aggressive and wanting to push the ball and it's hard to fault him for that. I think as he even had talked about and, and admitted when you get in the red zone in tight games against Baltimore, you probably want to be more on the conservative side and let's risk it uh, side because points are so precious. A for this offense it still does not score much in general. 28th ranked scoring offense and B, you know, I mean, now it's five straight games have been one possession games against Baltimore and it likely was going to be the same story as it played out Sunday. You don't want to throw that pick that cost your team those precious points. All right, defensively, all twenty-two. I mean, your 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 breakdown uh, on Steelers Depot on the defensive line against the run specifically tells tells the whole story uh, here. Uh, some of the errors, I, I think we're still kind of and it, it, you showed the uh, overhead all twenty-two view on the one scramble by Huntley. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, on one of the edge runs, I think by by Gus Edwards. Of, okay, uh, is that Lee? Was that Leal? Was it Edmonds? It's 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 really hard to discern overall. You know, 
was Edmonds supposed to come inside there and fill the alley? You know, was he supposed to stay outside? Was he trying to do too much? And and that obviously could have been a case of Edmonds saying, I'm going to go get that gap over there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, instead of just, that's not my job, you know, stay outside. Don't let this thing get to the outside here. Uh, so I, I think there, I, I think you might be more right in the as- aspect that, that maybe Edmonds is more to blame on that one that that, that got outside there overall. Yeah, the way that I, I I try to comment a little bit, but basically I just said is that ball can't bounce regardless of whose fault it is. That ball you know warmly spills it outside. You got a couple of guys there. That ball can't get outside, and so whoever it's on, Leal or Edmonds, regardless, that's an error by team defense uh the home run by dobbins i mean uh that's that's hey we're trying to do too much uh uh losing gap uh c- containment in there I, I think bush played that right you just obviously would want to see him come off the block you think uh, jack was held on that play everyone on youtube was yelling at me for, for jack being held by ricard I yeah it. it's possible but uh, i mean that's a pretty good truck hole anyway yeah um Again, the no, the no stack was just been a void. Adams has not played, you know, well enough, and and Alu Alu's on his last leg, and so you got Hayward picking up some no tackle snaps, and that's not good for anybody. Not for Hayward, not for this defense. Right, and look, they were just, uh, you know, with Ricard and uh, uh, Ben. What's what's uh, what's the left guard that they had or right guard? Ben that, uh, Cleveland. Yeah, Ben Cleveland, right? Or Ben uh, Powers or Ben Powers. Who who was the one who was the one that, that played that left guard that came in after Cologne? Well, it was Cleveland and Cologne rotating, and then I think Ben Powers was their every down left guard. I who who was the right guard? Uh, that, that Cleveland. Okay, Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, he had a pretty good game, I thought. Yeah, that, I mean, which guy did not front? Yeah. They all mall. I mean, I thought Ricard was their all star. I thought even their tight ends getting involved. Josh Oliver, mm. you know, folding Robert Spillane and stuff like that. I thought I thought all the linebackers uh, were pretty poor in this game. Um, yeah, I just thought Baltimore was more physical, not only just the row line, but their the fullbacks and their tight ends. And, and look, there, there, there's 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 a lot of blame to go around uh, in that, but it was all up front in the front seven uh, overall here with you know not not gap filling uh, and 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 just not getting off blocks. Playing, they got their butts kicked, as as yeah. Mike Tomlin said. Now. Now, is there anything else schematically that we talked about the the final three runs and all like that? I mean, is there anything schematically else that you want to talk about defensively from the all twenty two? No, you're not really. Again, some of the gap runs, as you mentioned, some of the displacement of the edge guys, maybe some of the things Pittsburgh did with their safeties and one receiver looks. You could debate a little bit, but that it's just not what the lost them the game. What what lost them no. the game is they got their ass kicked on on the line, not getting off blocks. Exactly. Uh, within that. Uh, kind of a chicken and an egg uh, kind of discussion here, though. Uh, I mean, they still only allowed 16 points, right? Sure. I mean, it was a winnable game. I mean, it obviously, if Pittsburgh doesn't make their mistakes offensively on special teams, there's a good chance they win that one. I mean, how much, how much, I mean, you let them run to, you look at, you can look at this from various different, different angles. Uh, you could have held them to 16 points and not give up so many rushing yards, you know, or, or maybe if you, if you do a little bit of, uh, better against run, they have 13 instead of 16, I guess, uh, there, uh, I mean, you want, you want to keep a team under 17 points and they did that. 
And I'm not trying to excuse him here. I'm just trying to where where is the line? Look, you in today's NFL, you're not going to just totally shut down a team, right? Uh, sure. But this was different because you knew Baltimore was going to run the ball, especially right? once Anthony Brown came in the game. You can't give up those runs. They, you know, they're going to run the football. Right. So is, is 16. What was how how many points was too many points in this game? 13. I mean, I think it's less about that and just more about giving up 215 on the ground. Just not acceptable regardless okay. of how many points you give up. And then there's a, there's, a, there's a time of possession thing. It's not just about the points, but you think about the, the eight-minute drive Baltimore went on. Which the was the key possession. drive. Yeah, which was the key drive. And, and they gave him a field goal and, and, and killed a lot of clock there. And so if you, if you get off the field there, um, that, could, that could totally change the complexion of the game. I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is, is where where is the line line drawn, you know? As far as level blame, yeah, we're we're, we're on the axis. Is the uh, is 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 the, <laughs> because look, I mean, you know, you you could you like it or not, you could you could boil this thing down to the final three offensive plays that the Ravens had in this game. Obviously, you don't know what's going to transpire if you get get a stop. Uh, there on that drive, they weren't going to throw the effing football. <laughs> sure, on any of those plays. Uh, uh, on any of those plays, so you have three plays to to get off the field and give your offense plenty of time, regardless of of what the transpiring punt is, uh, to to win the football game with a field goal. Right. I mean, that's the th- and not only to win the game to save your season. Mm-hmm. A season-defining type game. Do you want to stay in this hunt a bit longer, or do you want to potentially be eliminated after this week? I think if some certain things happen this week, Pittsburgh could officially be eliminated from the playoffs. When was the last time that happened this early in a year? Yeah. And, and and to get dominated just for a sense of pride to get dominated like that by by Baltimore, your your rival, um, just hurts a lot. And so again, it's less about the points. Where do you put the blame? I'm not someone that's good at giving up blame and, and pie charts and here's 70%, 30%. I don't, I mean, you know, multiple things can be bad. You recognize 16 points. Okay. You can win that game. I'm not absolving the offense. I'm not absolving special teams. I'm not, I'm not absolving defense. I'm talking about all of the issues those units had, and they all had issues. All right. Can we, can we agree what I said at kind of at the top of the show and really the other day, uh, this might be the most complete team loss uh, the team has had this year. Um, I mean, they've gotten their butt kicked pretty good by Buffalo and by Philadelphia where nothing went right. But I think this one hurts more because it was such a, a winnable game. You weren't going to beat the Bills. You weren't going to beat the Eagles. And so from that aspect, again, it just comes down to a matter of pride. I mean, you know, where is your pride? I tell you, look at this team right now. A lot of holes on it. There's going to be a lot of holes on it this offseason. We said that several times, and some of it goes back to, there's no way you can't look back at the last couple of drafts, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's Swiss cheese roster. There's a lot of turnover. I have been saying for a while, a lot of turnover coming for a lot of reasons, just the you know, losing season that's, that's about to happen. A uh, new GM, new assistant GM. And, and just to take my quick victory lap on something I, I talked about back in whenever it was the summer before the year began about one possession games, Pittsburgh's four or five, four and five and one possession games this year. You know, 2020, 2021, they were 15, four and one. That was the best record in football. And so you didn't feel like they were going to be able to sustain that kind of, uh, you know, winning ways in, in close games, partially without Ben and just partially the math of it all. It's hard to sustain and you kind of regress to the mean. And so back in the, the, the big reason why I picked this team to go eight and nine was me saying that I thought they'd be about a 500 team in one possession games and that's not going to do them well. 
and they're four and five. And that's basically where they're sitting right now. Uh, my, my, my fears was that they weren't going to be able to run the football and why I had them at eight and nine is, you know, I just didn't think the offense was going to be able to score points, which they, they haven't. I, I, I figured that Kenny Pickett would be in the saddle come the new Orleans game. Uh, and he was obviously a little bit before that. Uh, and my other fear was that the defense wasn't going to be as kind of advertised, you know, and, and they haven't been. Yeah. Now, obviously no one saw the TJ Watt, you know, injury coming and how much that changed the defense pretty dramatically when he wasn't around, but obviously even with him against Baltimore, it was still poor. Right. So any other thoughts here on terms of just, uh, rewatching this game? No, no, I think we've we've covered it pretty good there. Yeah, I think so too. So anything else? Anything else you want to talk about? I wonder, um, I assume Pickett will not be speaking today. Will any quarterback or Rudolph spoke yesterday, I guess, or Monday yeah. or when, whenever it was. So we'll see maybe Trubisky speaking today and and go from there, get the practice report, and obviously all eyes on Kenny Pickett's status. I mean, if he gets cleared but doesn't practice until Friday, do you play him then? Well, didn't in so many words, uh, Mike Tomlin say that he has to practice, but I guess he didn't say how much he has to practice, right? That, And then somebody said, you know, if he's cleared, we'll pick it start. And Tomlin said yes, but I don't know okay. if he was really thinking about practice situation in that because there's a rep component, too. Um yeah, I just, I just, right. a lot of, a lot of variables going on. I, look, I, I think, I think you, you want him to take, uh, take all the, I, I think for him to start, I think you want him to take, at least 80% of the reps during the week. Well, what does that mean? I mean, is, does he have to be full on Wednesday or can he be limited Wednesday and then full Thursday, Friday? I mean, I think the he thing has is, least, we think, don't really know what limited means. Well, them, we has, I think based on the way they, they reported, limited means you work in individual sessions. You're not part of the team sessions. Full means you're in team sessions. 11 on 11. Uh, it's a slippery slope, I think, because you uh, – at nearly at all cost you want him to be able to play this week to get the experience. Well, I think, but you know, do you, do you put him, put him in a bad situation where he's not ready to succeed? I think he's got to be full by, by tomorrow, by Thursday to get okay. full Thursday, full Friday. If he's limited today, then, then okay. You can work with that. All right. I mean, obviously if he doesn't practice, you know, full by Thursday, I don't think there's a way you can play him. Yeah. Right. So we'll see. All right, uh, play, playoff scenarios real quick. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, the Steelers can actually, believe it or not, be eliminated this week. Uh, if they lose to the Panthers, they'll be out with, uh, if, if New England wins, that's one way, or they will be out with a loss and a Jets win plus a Chargers win or tie. So uh, that's the second scenario. The third scenario, if the Steelers lose to the Panthers, they'll be out with a Chargers uh, win plus a Raiders tie, and the Raiders play the Patriots there. So uh, uh, if they win, they obviously stay alive, and that, that's probably the key thing that matters right now. So uh, win and you're still mathematically in this thing, even though everybody needs should, should understand right now the the math is about the equivalent of, of my, uh, my, you know, there's a lot of math that needs to go along <laughs> with this. Yeah. Typically when you start things off by playoff scenarios, it doesn't end with, this is how the Steelers can be eliminated right. in week 15. And so it's a weird conversation, but yeah, I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs. So uh, it's really just a matter of, when it's over, not a question of if it'll be over. 
Should the Panthers be favored by, I think it's up to two and a half points right now. Uh, they're the home team and they're five and eight. I mean, they're, they're playing well under Steve Wilkes. They've won what three of their last four and they just ran for 200, had a big upset win over Seattle. So, I mean, I don't care about the lines too much, but yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. The Panthers have earned it. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought we'd be having this discussion. No. Uh, if there was a game that I thought the Steelers would, would probably be slam dunk to possibly win come the start of the season, it would have been this one. And here they are two and a half point consensus road dogs at the time we're recording this. Yeah. I mean, I was hundred percent with you. I thought we all knew Matt rule was not going to be there for that game. So you felt like, okay, that their season's probably going to be just bad, but uh, that that's, this is why I hate the, preseason win-loss records because it all it, none of it matters by week two basically. every you know, every every months. week changes uh change any given sunday uh based on how things can tr- transpire yeah. in the nfl all right dave let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show all right how far are we into this thing today uh hour five ish so i'm making right. decent time Let's go with Chuck Griffith here. Where did the Steelers go with the offensive line and free agency in the draft? Realizing the old line has played better as of late. Will Pat Myers return? And which lineman would you write in pen and which, which in pencil for 2023? Uh, there's no reason right now to think that Matt, Pat Myers won't be back, right? Or, be- I mean, is there, is there enough reason to think that he won't be back? I'm very confident Pat Meyer will return. The offensive line has improved. They don't want four O-line coaches in four years. Right. Uh, Who would we write in pen and in pencil uh, right now? I think you can write Chukwuma Korfor in pen. I think you can write James Daniel uh, in in, in pen. Who else? Mason Uh, Cole's going to be on this roster. The question is, will Mason Cole be the starter, I guess? Can I? Those are raceable pens, right? I'll go middle ground and say a raceable pen for Mason Cole. Right. Um, Dan Moore would be in pencil, could be erased if you find a really top tier left tackle early in the draft. And Kevin Dotson pencil. gets a white out. out. Well, okay, he's definitely go, in pencil. In, in other words, you can erase him. So, uh, yeah. Uh, he's still going to be on the roster, though, Dotson. Yeah, it can be a good backup, play left guard and right guard right. for you. So there's some value there. But uh, I mean, could he start? I just that's hard to me to envision Kevin Dotson starting next right. year. In in short, Chuck, I think you uh, have to look at the realization that a couple of those the left side uh, could could see new starters potentially, uh, not guaranteed, but potentially in 2023. Right. So we we shall see. Let's move forward here with uh, Brandon. Other than Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka, is any player's spot as a starter truly safe entering the offseason when it comes to, I guess he says, the Steelers defense? Of course, it's not going to be a wholesale turnover. That's not practical. But inside linebacker, again, defensive line, you guys talk about cornerback via the draft and, and strong safety until Kenny gets his feet under him. This team's defense will have to drastically improve, right? He asked. Yeah, I, 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 I'm on board with that. The Steelers defense has to drastically improve. And I think next season, uh, look, you're, it's not going, you're not going to have nine new starters on defense next season, but boy, it's going to, it's probably going to be a lot of new starters on defense. 
Yeah, I think you'll see turnover. Um, so in terms of the starters guaranteed to return next year, Cam, Cam Hayward, TJ, Watt, Watt Minka, and Highsmith. Are the and Highsmith, there. right. Are there any others to add? I think probably not based on free agency, based on play. Miles Jack would be one under contract. You'd think he'd be around as the starter um, just because if they replace Devin Bush, they're probably not going to be able to replace both inside linebackers. I'm going to go ahead and say Cam Sutton. Yeah, I know he's not under contract, but okay. I'm going to go ahead and guarantee him being back uh, as, as, as a starter. Okay. I mean, obviously, if he's resigned, then certainly right. we'll, we'll start. Uh, just a matter of if he will. So, so that's fine. But, I mean, look, you've got – there's a lot of holes on this thing, man, especially on a defensive line and linebacker, really, because, I mean, okay, you want to bring Devin Bush back on a minimum value – minimum minimum salary? Have at it. But you better be looking for somebody to start over top of. I mean, it's all levels, though, because even in the secondary, what happens with Sutton? What happens with Witherspoon? What happens with Terrell Edmonds? I mean, there's a lot of question marks. Can you ever remember the last time that – that there's been this much question about what what next year's defense will look like? Not not since I've been doing this in the way that I've been doing it for Steelers Depot. I don't remember. Maybe I'm just misremembering time blurs, but short answer, no, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, you'd like to have a guy like Casey back, but, you know, uh, is that, oh, uh, championship, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, type move in that, you know? Right. No, point taken. So a, a ton of question marks at every single level for this defense. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's less there's there's probably there's less talk about who's going to be on this team on offense. It's just whether or not they can they can perform. Right. Right. Yeah. They're the younger group. They're the more recent picks. Um, and so most of those guys are under contract. Uh, let's see here. The duality of Mitch Trubisky uh, from Rory Prunella. Hi, Dave and Alex, longtime listener, maybe second time emailer. Uh, oof, that was tough to watch. I can't help but feel bad for Mitch. But for some reason, other than the obvious of helping the Steelers, I really want to see him succeed. He is uniquely athletic and can make some exciting plays with his legs and a strong arm and fool you into thinking he is a starting caliber quarterback. But he'll inevitably make some awful decisions or throws if exposed long enough. Maybe someday he can have a Geno Smith-esque turnaround in his processing part of the game, but just seems like a tragic figure destined to make game losing mistakes at this stage in his career. Uh, you guys are the best resource out there. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on this debacle of the game. Well, we've, we've obviously at this point, Roy, we've uh, given a lot, a lot of thoughts on, on, on the game. Look, Mitch is, Mitch is a very polarizing quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's made some big plays. It's kind of defined his career. He's mobile. He can take shots. He can, you know, drive the football downfield in moments and and, and make some pretty decent level plays to remind you this guy was a, a, a former first round pick. But then you have the other half of him, as the readers pointing out, the duality part of that, and he frustrates that at you. So you know, maybe he can turn it around at some point, but won't be in Pittsburgh. Look, I, I know it's a, it's a lot to ask for 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 quarterback for to have a quarterback that can make some of these plays like a Patrick Mahomes and and a Josh Allen and some of those things here. But man, you got to be able to push the football down the field at a higher rate. And yeah, without, and, and you and can do that the within the pocket. You can do that within the pocket, and right. not seeing that uh, consistently enough in terms of the efficiency of it from Trubisky. Right. So, 
you know, we'll see what the quarterback situation, the room probably looks different next year. Talk about the most change that could come offensively. It's going to be in that quarterback room, not with Kenny, of course, but right. Rudolph gone, Trubisky likely to be gone. They're going to have to add in, you know, they're going to have to have four quarterbacks to take the camp. So there's three quarterbacks you're adding, probably futures contract, a veteran signing, and probably an undrafted free agent. Right, right, right. All right. Uh, I think we got all the emails out of the way there, Alex. So uh, you and I will work on trying to maybe get a uh, Panthers beat writer lined up for uh, for the Friday show. Uh, by then, we'll obviously be talking more and more about uh, uh, that game and previewing that and whatever transpires with coordinator corner, uh, roster moves, all that good stuff. Just a usual fair on Friday. Um, uh, more than likely there. So we've been trying to keep these shows under an hour and a half uh, uh, as of late. Hopefully you're enjoying that aspect of it. And we'll be back on Friday. So you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com and hit the ad-free button. So within that, until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. 